Lord, we come to you, Lord, trusting in your goodness, trusting in your favor through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, we come to you as a local church that you have brought together in your sovereignty. Lord, and according to your goodwill, more than 80 years, God, that this church has existed here and what a testimony is here. Lord, that through a changing community, through changing times and seasons and generations, God, the gospel continues to be here. And Lord, we pray that you would further it. Lord, we pray for fresh energy, for strength. God, we pray for the great work that will be done here in the, in the community on May 7th for Operation Inasmuch. Lord, we pray for empowerment, pray for divine appointments and Lord, open doors, the right opportunities to serve, God, the right, um, God, uh, just connection, Lord, to be able to open these doors. Lord, we pray for energy and, and ambition, God, godly ambition among our people, God, as we start signing up and as we start furthering that work. Lord, just pray for your blessing, for your empowerment for that day, and that we would just be a lighthouse uh, that day in this community. Not only that day, but God, there's a sense of concentrating our efforts, our energy, God, and so I pray it would be a special time for us as a church that we too would be filled up, God, through that work. And Lord, we bring to you a whole lot of personal needs today, God, some sort of within our community, some within the church. Um, Lord, I, I think about um, Mackenzie Sams and the, 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 the boy at her school who, Lord, took his own life and the grieving that's taken place, I believe the service was today, perhaps. Lord, we just pray for a sense of comfort among those students, among others that are connected, those in the community, families, friends. Um, Lord, the grief that is there, we pray, God, that your word might give hope, that your gospel might give hope, and that you might even use this as a chance to open doors, to open hearts, oh God. Lord, we pray for a similar thing that happened at Montreat. And Lord, just, just the shock that, that that must be, and for such a small college and a very small community, I'm sure this will truly be felt. So Lord, we just pray for the school to be able to minister, to be able to help, to be able to serve. Lord, we pray for comfort for all of those that will be affected by this loss of life. And Lord, we just pray for churches in the, in the immediate community there, God, that are able to serve. We pray, God, that you'd help them, that you would strengthen them, oh God, to be able to do your work. Lord, we pray for uh, the work that's going on in Crusoe and, Lord, the inspections that have gone well, the new opportunities that are there, even building from, from, from the ground up, Lord. I just pray, oh God, further the work, every part of it, God, the part that we're a part of, the electrical part, and the, and the various parts that we're serving in here among several of our, of our men and, and, and ladies who have been there who have served, and yet, um, and Lord, for all of it, God, for Baptist on Mission, for all the different logistics that go into this, the funds that go into this, God, all of it, Lord, we just pray that you would bless just immensely the work being done there. And Lord, I pray that it would open doors um, for people to, to hear the gospel, to believe the gospel, to be transformed by the gospel. We know that all of us at one point, God, needed that good news. And Lord, and now that we have received it, now that we have believed, here we are together. And we pray, oh God, that you would um, just bless the work going on over there. Lord, we pray for, uh, for Terry's daughter, uh, Lord, down in Charleston. We just pray um, for a, uh, God, for good health, God, for a healthy baby, um, for just a smooth process in all of this, God, for peace, for calm in, in Terry's heart and in her heart and the daughter's heart and, and, and all those, God, that, um, Lord, that there would just be a sense of joy and that you would remove the, 
Um, Lord, any need to worry, oh God, and I pray just for a healthy pregnancy. Lord, we pray for your blessing over, over Mackenzie Davis and, and over Gabriel, God, as they are getting closer to their own date coming up. We pray your blessing over them. And Lord, we pray for um, God, um, Debbie Gonzalez uh, up in Weaverville, God. We just pray you would continue to have your hand over her, preserve her, sustain her. Thank you for, um, God, her kids, for, um, for them being able to be there with her and just, just keep an eye on her. And, um, and God, just be a presence and, uh, and, and uh, having a sense of love, God, for, for their mom. Lord, I pray uh, for our time together tonight that it would just be helpful and encouraging, strengthening. Lord, we pray um, that you would just encourage us in the work of missions as we think about the, the Annie Armstrong offering coming up on Sunday. Lord, prepare our hearts to give and, uh, and that we would in our giving also receive, God, as we support this work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. In just a minute, we're going to show a video if you all want to get that ready. Um, but before we do that, uh, just a couple of announcements. I, I mentioned in my prayer, Operation As Much, you all know that date now. I also mentioned in my prayer about Annie Armstrong. Uh, so we'll begin that offering this Sunday. We'll have a guest speaker um, who is a church planter, and I'll be talking about that. He's basically representing domestic missions. And, uh, and so come looking forward to that. Um, and again, we'll show a video in just a moment. Um, Let's see, anything else by way of announcement that we want to mention coming up in the next few weeks? Okay, all right. So we'll show this video, and I'll come and talk about it a little bit, and we'll spend some time together. I was raised in a Christian home, but I gave my parents a really hard time. And so I finally decided to join the military because I wanted to do something hard and actually finish it. And it was actually towards the end of my military service when I gave my life to Christ. And having spent time in the army, I know uh, that it can be a really spiritually dark place. They're young, they're far from family for the first time. They don't have maybe a lot of good influences. A lot of broken homes, marriages struggling, addiction, a desperate need for the gospel. There's a lot of young Marines here and they're living in the barracks. When we started this church, we knew that that was an area that God was calling us to reach, to host Marines for a Marine dinner once a month is where it started. To have something like a dinner that they can come to and just be themselves and sit on a couch and eat a warm meal is really impactful for them. More and more guys started coming and we baptized our first Marine last summer. And then that Marine led to another Marine and then another one to the point now where every week we're seeing fruit. This church like means business. They don't, they are not okay with you just punching your church card every week. And <laughs> it was obvious that this was a church that was doing church like the Bible says we should do church. I feel encouraged every time I go to church, like I wish every day was Sunday. When people give to Annie Armstrong, it enables churches like ours to reach military members and their families with the gospel. Washington, D.C. is a city with many, many nations. So to have a gospel-centered, healthy church here is reaching not only the people in this city, but cities all across the world. The military is already moving people around, and as they're moved from place to place, they can take the gospel with them. It's exactly what Jesus has called us to do, and God is changing people's lives. Alan, thanks, guys. Um, hopefully you got to, to, some of you might have seen this already, but um, there are 
dozens of these videos, these testimonies. If you go to the NAM website, N-A-M-B, um, you could just Google NAM and Google testimonies. There's a whole bunch of these. Um, but this one really stood out to me. And this is the Huntleys. Um, and um, just hearing their story, I think, is a powerful thing. They are just one of thousands of our domestic missionaries that work here. Usually when we think about missions, we think about internationally, foreign missions, and, and obviously that's very important. We think about that especially around the Christmas holiday, what we call our Lottie Moon offering, as well as other times. Um, not exclusively the holidays, but especially around the holidays. But these are people serving here in our own backyard, so to speak. What is D.C.? Maybe six, seven hours away? Not too awful far, sort of in our backyards. And they had some about Atlanta. Atlanta's our closest sin city, but that one really stood out to me. And so I want to think about the Huntley's work um, here tonight and mention a few other things basically based off of that. And uh, as we prepare our hearts really for the kind of season that we'll be in over the next four weeks, guest speaker coming Sunday, and then for the next four weeks taking up our offering until Easter, when we'll conclude. And, um, and so church planting, and that's probably a term that's been around for about 20 years or so. Before that, they might have called it pioneering a church, and there's some other terms. But of course, it refers to establishing a new church. Um, there's revitalizations and renewal that goes on in churches that might be stagnated, need new growth, but, but church planting is a new church. And uh, this really makes up the, the lion's share, the great portion of our domestic missions work is through church planting. Now, there's a lot of other things. There's chaplaincy work, there's evangelism work, there's some collegiate work, and so on. But, but church planting is sort of the heart over the last, especially 10 to 15 years, of our domestic mission strategy as Southern Baptists. And so that would be true across North America, across our convention. And so planting churches is, is really, and this is kind of the, it's not merely a strategy, although I think that's an appropriate word, but this is something that we see in the Bible. This is what the apostles did. I mean, in a sense, Jesus raised up the disciples in a community of faith. You could almost call it a church, but then sends them out ultimately to do just that, to establish churches, to preach the gospel, some believe, and then to establish a church there, a community of believers, which happened here about 80 and a half years ago, almost 81 years ago, right? It'll be 80, 81 years this June. And, and I love the history of that and looking at all that story. And so we could, we could look at some of the statistics tonight and think about why church planting is so important. Um, they baptize far more people than established churches. And we can, we can go through all kinds of statistics. They're able to reach people in a unique way. But, um, but I'm actually going to read a quote from one of our North American, missionary, North American Mission Board missionaries who answers kind of the question of why. Why church planting? Why is church planting important? And he says this. Church planting is important because the church is important. Farming matters because food matters. Hospitals matter because people matter. Church planting matters because the church matters. And so when we think about church planting, on one hand, sometimes they end up looking like this, right? Turning into what's a very traditional and established church. In fact, I would say maybe a quarter of them do. Maybe close to half do end up looking like this. Sometimes they look more like that, a little bit different, a little unique, um, they planted in a military community. And so you can't, it looks, it's going to look a little bit different, right? It's going to feel a little bit different if you're primarily reaching Marines, right, as they were. And, um, and so they chose to focus their ministry among soldiers in that way, which I think is a wonderful thing. But what are some of the other, maybe we've talked about this before, but what are some of the other sort of unique characters that a church plant might take on? Kind of, if we've got one that's military, that's one example. What else have you all seen? Anyone else seen any? College campuses. 
that's become a big one. So in fact, Kathy, your son works at what I think was a collegiate church plant, or maybe doesn't work there, but they attend, isn't that right? Okay, yeah. But that, the movement, I was going to call it a movement, it really is, but this, the network that, he's, that they're a part of have planted churches at college campuses all over the country and even internationally now. So that's, that's a good one. You know, we could just think about it. Why is it that it's easy to sort of focus and reach a particular demographic like that? Similar season of life, kind of like military, they're away from home, open doors, open hearts, looking for community. So yeah, college campus is huge. What else? Language groups. Absolutely. Might be French, might be Spanish, might be Native American. Could be a whole host of different things. That's right. Specific language groups. What else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has anyone ever been to one of those? I, I've never got to go. I've seen a service driving by in Texas one time, and I thought, oh, there's a cowboy church. But yeah, stuff like that, right? Now, with Cowboy Church, you're going to have a lot of range of ages and stuff, but kind of similar people. You can speak to them in a similar way and that sort of thing. Now, over time, a lot of these churches evolve to be a little bit more diverse and mixed up, but a lot of times the initial impulse looks a certain way. What about deaf churches? Anyone ever heard of those? So similar to sort of the language, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Vicki. What else? Any others? Yeah, right? So, so people who have a particular talent, skill, you know, even art's kind of a community even, right? They have churches and prisons. So I, I, have, a, I have a friend who works with that ministry down in Houston, and, um, you know, for, especially within maximum security, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be there for life, most of them. And so a lot of times they'll found a church within, so it's not merely that you have a chaplain there, but actually someone who says, I'm a prisoner myself, I've been saved, I've got a Bible college degree now being in prison, and, uh, and so now I'm going to start a congregation here. And, and there are some places where it's thriving. In fact, uh, Angola in Louisiana, one of the most violent prisons in America for decades and decades, has a movement like that going on, which is really incredible. And so sometimes church plants, again, end up looking like this, and I would say, again, a good portion do, but sometimes they end up looking like that. They're able to reach a certain way, minister in a certain way. Um, most of the churches in the New Testament tended to, again, be much more diverse, um, socioeconomically, culturally, in all those sorts of ways, and yet it's good for us to think about. So, so when we get to Annie Armstrong, we're supporting works like that all, all over the country, and Canada as well. So, so North America, as is classified, is, is the United States and Canada. Of course, Mexico is technically part of North America, but we put that in with Latin America because of the cultural connection there. And so when we give to Annie Armstrong, it works all over, primarily the United States, but also Canada. And uh, again, collegiate church plants and cowboy churches and deaf churches and language churches, prison churches, all these sorts of things. And it's really remarkable what God has done. You would think that church plants would kind of have really screeched to a halt in 2020 with COVID and all that, but actually our numbers have increased throughout 2020, throughout 2021, and 2022 is just getting going, but even then the numbers are looking quite strong. So we've had people who have said, and maybe it's because of the pandemic in some ways, I'm willing to put my life on hold, I'm willing to put everything aside, and I'll move to Chicago, or I'll move to rural Wyoming, or whatever it is, and I'm going to plant a church. And it's really hard work. It truly is missionary work. I think it's right that we call it missionary work. 
And again, at one point, our church had to be planted, and so we remember the, just the wonderful blessing that that is for those who gave, who would have given financially, but also sacrificially in their time and of their family and so on. And so that's the, the work that we'll be supporting as we do this. Um, has anyone ever been a part of a church plant here? Anyone? Miss Nina, would you mind telling us about it? When were you part of a church plant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Over how many churches? It's well over a hundred. I want to say it might be close to one hundred and sixty. It's a lot. Yeah, Isn't that doesn't sound like a lot of churches, and it is. Most of them are very small. Most of them are not doing very well. But numerically, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Miss Niney, because in fact, I was at the association on Monday of last week. And um, so this is similar to the way that churches co- can cooperate in this way. There's a struggling church over on Tunnel Road. Wish I could remember the name. Um, historic church, been there a long time, but nearing closing its door. I mean, it's this close. We have... I think that's right. How, how do you know all this, Miss Nina? Good job. Yeah, I think that's right. Is that right? Wow. I think, that that, I think that's right. And so that's one that we talked about as an association. We prayed for them. And basically, they're trying to replant. So they're nearing death. And if they don't change something significantly, they'll probably close their doors, which is a very sad thing. Um, we Right. Is that, is that right? And so, so the idea, as I understood it, is they're asking, you know, and this is a very common thing. So they would ask churches, send us a few of your people for one year. If you can handle for two years, send us for two years. We'll start, we'll get going, we'll grow, and then, you know, you can go back to your home church. But it's a way that we would, uh, that we would cooperate. And so it is, it's a cooperative work. Now, that's a way we do it very locally here. And yet, when we give to Annie Armstrong, we're able to cooperate um, all over the country, all over the continent which is such a wonderful thing. Anyone else? Testimonies of being involved in a, in a church plant in any way? Um, my grandson went to a conference house Yes. I was just going to talk about them. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So many of you know Allison and Ryan. They usually sit right about up here, um, connected to. So it's uh, she's Tom's daughter, right? Tom Livingston's daughter. Uh, they were at that church, the Summit Church, massive church. <laughs> it's a huge church, but they're not just a church that's sort of. I mean, you, on one hand, sometimes you look at a huge church and you wonder. Goodness, why are they so big? What does that look like? But they send out more people than they take in. It's remarkable. They planted like over 100 churches. Um, really remarkable. All over the place, yeah. I'm sure they have more than one in Atlanta. They have, they have one in almost every town of, that's more than 10,000 people in North Carolina. I mean, they're just all over the country as well. Um, and they, they ask their members 
If you, if you move anywhere, if you take a job, if you, if you go somewhere, you know, if you go off to college, whatever it is that you commit to two years to serve at a church plant. That's actually what Allison did when she was at a church here. And, um, and their, their church was over somewhere on Patton Avenue. Um, they're here, they, they've been here with us recently. But um, it's just a remarkable thing, sort of that, that idea that, that, you know, as you go off, you know, build, go in with a church that could use the help. And it's a wonderful thing, really remarkable. I would, I would call it truly another sort of movement there at that church. Really remarkable. Yeah. Anybody else? Thoughts on that? Insights? Questions about church planting? I'm not an expert, but I can, I'll try my best. Yeah. Bob. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's incredible the way that folks like that just can be such a blessing to help. You know what it would cost to ship something like that. I mean, you, you would know far better than I would, but you had to be able to do that. What a blessing. Good. I bet. I bet. Good. Well, I wanted to share about that tonight a little bit as we think about, you know, we, on one hand, giving is good and giving in faith is good, but I think it, it even, it, it, it's a more powerful thing to give, kind of having some sense of where that's going. Um, and every, every dollar, every cent ultimately would be going to this. And so a good, a good thing. And so on that note, so we'll ha- be hearing from a church planter from Atlanta. Spent time here with Chris uh, at, and in fact, I was over there um, yesterday. Um, Brookstone Baptist Church, right? Well, it used to be North Asheville. I actually saw the sign. Um, and uh, he was there. They were there for, for a few years together. I think James said they were there about three and a half years. And so he'll be sharing about their work. And, uh, and so I hope you get to meet them. Um, look forward to that. And uh, we'll go ahead and close in prayer. I'm going to ask Chris to pray for us, if you would, brother. Um, no youth tonight, so we got you in here with us. Um, anything else that's come up on your mind that Chris could include in the prayer? Okay, Chris, if you would, pray for us. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great night.